Libraries are very funny places. They're strange and troubled lands. Old librarians make very funny faces when you knock over book stands. Every building has a hundred thousand stories that have ne'er before been shared. And won't you be surprised at what is truth and what is lies when Librarians Anonymous is aired? And won't you be surprised at what is truth and what is lies when Librarians Anonymous is aired? Instead of relying on our own opinions, which we will no doubt share later, we did want to survey some of our friends and colleagues in the library community to get their perspectives on the question of quiet in the library. About a week ago, we sent out a survey with a few short but important questions about the topic of quiet in a library, starting with, what is your age? In what type of library do you work? And then getting into the meat of the question. Now, you might be wondering why we asked uh, the people who took the survey what their age is. This, our idea here was to kind of see if this stereotype was a generational thing. Uh, based on the responses we got. You know, we know it's one of those long-standing pop culture things like we've mentioned, but we were wondering if the responses would reflect any difference with the younger group. Um, and for the most part, our survey responders were pretty evenly split between the age group of 25 to 34 and 35 and 44, with the other biggest chunk being in the 55 to 64 age range. Interestingly enough, I don't think that it showed any correlation between age and wanting the library to be either more quiet or less quiet. I think it really depended more on what type of library they work in and what type of experiences they had depending on their specific institution. And in regards to the institution, uh, the vast majority of our survey came from people who work in public libraries. Uh, we had only three responders who worked in academic libraries, but everyone else public libraries was the the main responders so my my response would be based purely from the academic side um i i would define quiet as being not necessarily silent but quiet enough that you can study and low conversations with friends if needed and i think that's the academic what people think of for quiet in the library mm. From the public standpoint that I have, uh, I do not like the term quiet for libraries. I think it's too highly subjective because I think what ends up happening is that there's noise that can be acceptable and there's noise that can't be ignored. And sometimes the noises that can be ignored are technically, if you want to go by decibel or if you want to go by frequency, somewhat more likely to happen in a library setting than the noises that cause more concern, cause more distraction, cause more problems. Uh, and I think because quiet can be so subjective, if we use it as a goalpost for our library atmosphere, what often happens is you either have staff or patrons that weaponize it against patrons that we feel, whether it's implicit bias or unconscious bias, don't belong in the spaces that we have provided, which you know, it's clearly a problem. So we as librarians have kind of moved past this place where we're going to say, oh, they're not reading the right kind of books, they shouldn't be here. Or, oh, they're not, you know, I don't think that they're studying, they shouldn't be here. Thankfully, we've stopped judging the activities of our patrons in libraries. We'll still jump on 
those same judgments when it comes to noise or other activities that we can attach to. After working library security for six years, you know, I can see patrons complaining more about the type of people that they don't think should be sharing library with them, whether it's teenagers, um, people experiencing houselessness, you know, groups of marginalized religious groups. A lot of people will complain about people observing prayer because they'll say, oh, they're being a nuisance, they're loitering, they're, you know, and other behaviors that they deem acceptable to them in the library. They won't complain about noise, even though that noise being generated by you know, young children playing or, you know, adults having a business call or, you know, they'll see that as normal, acceptable library behavior, but really deep down they're judging from a position of bias and they're gatekeeping the library and they're colonizing the library against the, you know, people that they consider the other. So I do think that quiet is a bad term. What I like is disruptive. You know, what is disruptive, what is not disruptive. I think of you know, a good atmosphere in a library is not disruptive. So everybody has as much access as we can provide without a reasonable amount of disruption from one patron to another. Um, so I, I don't like the concept of quiet for public libraries. I do like the concept of a quiet room, which we can keep as quiet as possible um, because I'm all about accommodation in libraries. Um, but I think for the most part, quiet is uh, a, a somewhat aggressive weaponized term in public libraries today. And as I've mentioned on the podcast before, uh, I cut my teeth in the library field in a children's department and in children's department, quiet is the same as quiet with a toddler. You know, if you're not hearing something, that's when you know something's wrong. <laughs> like, there's a mess somewhere. Now I have to find it. It's way too quiet in here. So let's take a look at what some of our surveyors said when they think of what people perceive as quiet in a library setting. We had a lot of people say absolute silence, shushing from libraries, um, white silent, pin drop silent, um, everybody must whisper, complete silence or quiet speaking voice, no sound whatsoever, silence, silence, hushed voices, no laughing, studying and reading, no, no, no noise at all. Sounds low enough not to disturb other people. You can hear a pin drop, not talking, not making noise. Um, we had a few people diverged from this concept and they say, uh, there's a one person said, people often perceive it wholly incorrect that libraries ought to be the guardian of silence. Simply put, it is gatekeeperism in another form. Another patron said, this is a broad question. Obviously, there's the stereotypical library quiet with shushing librarians, but that isn't real. In children's, like you just said, Mr. Wooster, uh, quiet is simply not screaming. In adult, quiet might mean no device sound, no speakerphone, only low volume conversation, but maybe with dedicated areas. I think people expect there to be different noise level zones in libraries. And we'll get to the question of noise level zones. But I do think that that makes an important point is that your noise in your library will depend on how it's stratified. It depends on the building. I work in a main branch building, which is a single floor. So all of the areas sort of feed into one another. It's a big building. So, you know, thankfully some of the noise deadens before it goes from one department for the other. But we also have a lot of overflow from the teen room into the business center and from the youth area and the preschool area to the adult area. And it can be difficult sometimes, but at the same time, 
you know, we have dedicated areas, we have a quiet room, and sometimes people want to enforce quiet outside of the quiet room in a way that should be enforced inside the quiet room. And that can just be a difficult situation to handle. Yeah, I really think that uh, sometimes just looking at a way a building is designed will tell you whether it should or should not be a quiet place. Um, one of the libraries I worked in the longest uh, was designed with a very large open atrium around three floors mm -hmm. and sound in that building carried so bad <laughs> like you could hear you know someone talking on the third floor you can hear them clearly at the desk on the bottom floor because the way sound carried but if someone was you know standing across the desk from you asking you a question sometimes you had to like wait i'm sorry could you repeat that because the sound just went straight up into the, <laughs> the void there so i mean we always joke that it's like whoever designed this building had no idea what they were doing as regards to a library setting. But yeah, it does. The building design, iron well, not I don't know about ironically, but it definitely does add an element to it. Oh, for sure. Um, one of the libraries in our area, not the one I work at, one town over, it's a two-story library with a main floor and a large basement. And the large basement is just the kids' area. So there's an elevator, an escalator, and a staircase between all of the wonderful noise on the children's floor and the quieter study area of the adult area. There's absolutely no bleed whatsoever. So the kids can be as loud as they want downstairs. There can be loud programs. There can be music playing. There can be open audio on the child's devices. And none of it affects the library as a whole. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining us for our latest meeting of Librarians Anonymous. You can call me Jeeves. And you can call me Wooster. Your guides and sponsors through the wacky, behind-the-scenes world of libraries. We want to start by wishing everyone a happy Pride Month. Whether you're part of the community or an ally, we want to express our love and support to all. Today's episode marks the first real milestone for Wooster and I. It's our 10th episode. Now, 10 episodes may not seem like a lot compared to many of the other podcasts out there, but we can't help to feel some true pride and joy to have been able to reach this point, especially seeing as we're just two friends sitting in our closets a couple hundred miles apart and talking about the job we love. And of course, we couldn't have reached this milestone without you, the listeners. Uh, our first episode has passed 100 downloads, and we've had over 500 downloads overall from all across the world. We want to thank you all for lending us your ears and your time. We also have to give a big shout out to Catherine for the super catchy theme song, as well as all of our guests we've had on so far. It's their contributions that truly make this show fun, and we hope to hear from many more fascinating people as the show goes on. Now, don't worry, we're not going to spend the whole episode in reflection. We actually have a very important question to explore today, something that is often debated and discussed over the decades. And that is, should libraries be quiet? As is often the case, this question has become something of a stereotype, right in tandem with the shushing librarian. The idea of libraries as silent halls of learning is pretty much a pop culture standard. I mean, one of my favorite Doctor Who episodes is called Silence in the Library. You could say that stereotype has transcended space and time. But is it true? Or more importantly, should it be true? That's what we're going to explore today. Somewhat ironically, and purely by chance, the friends of the Mount Pleasant Library in D.C. have made quite the splash in library circles by selling a shirt that says, What's more punk than the public library? Now, the term punk can have various meanings. 
in the end, it's really about the culture. But I guess most people our age probably identify the word with the aggressive, loud, and wonderfully anti-establishment musical genre. 100%. I hear the word punk, and my mind immediately goes to the rise of British punk bands like The Clash, Joy Division, and of course the Sex Pistols. Spiky hair, denim vests sporting ironic Union Jacks, and plenty of chains all around. I hear the word punk, and I think steampunk, diesel punk, <laughs> uh, atom punk. Uh, but in the end, it really is all about that something different, something against the norm, something countercultural. And all of these things are definitely not the stereotypical librarian look. And that's kind of the point. Punk music was all about breaking away from the norm. It was inclusive to many of the so-called others in the society at the time. And that's exactly what we believe a good library should be. And that brings us back to the question of a quiet library. Yes, a quiet environment is a great place for people studying, like Zsa, Zsa mentioned in last episode in regards to law libraries. But that's not the role your typical public library plays these days. The word that is already out on libraries being quiet is potentially biased. Getting a range of opinions from your patrons, having an honest conversation with managers, policymakers, stakeholders, and then just keeping the conversation in mind constantly of what's best for your institution and your community is a great idea. Now on to something a little bit more fun. <laughs> and I liked this question and I liked the responses that we got to this question. And that question is, have you as a librarian ever had a patron complain or shush you about your noise while working at the library? And I'd like to, before we, we say these answers, uh, I'd like to ask you, Mr. Wooster, have you, have you ever been shushed at a library? More times than I can count. <laughs> Especially, <laughs> like I said, as working in academic, uh, you know, you're helping people with a lot of information at times. And I've, you know, answered a reference question and had someone shush me because <laughs> they were studying close. It's like, I am helping this other student. I understand that I'm making noise. Or um, even I, I have a very loud laugh and that has got me in trouble uh, more than once. <laughs> and shushed at uh, uh probably my favorite shushing was uh i am a huge musical fan and i had a student worker who was working for me who was also a really big musical fan and i don't remember how it came about but we spontaneously started singing one of the songs from west side story in my office because we were joking <laughs> about it and one of the other libraries like librarians came in like you can always sound really good, but we can absolutely hear you out there. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. <laughs> I did not think about it. We were in the office. I thought we were... <laughs> How about I, yourself, James? I have also been shushed. Uh, I've been shushed in the month of May, uh, actually, very recently. Uh, I also have, uh, you know, a loud, deep voice, so it projects quite well. Um, so I... I generally try to keep it quiet in the library but i have gotten shushed by people who expect it to be absolutely quiet because they can hear my voice carrying to where they're studying define how you think people perceive quiet in a library setting is it objective is it subjective is it abstract does it actually exist um, should libraries be quiet by these definitions that we list do you think that quiet libraries by this definition are welcoming to patrons if libraries are going to be quiet, who should define quiet for these patrons? 
have you as a librarian ever had a patron complain or shush you about your noise while working in a library? Should a library have dedicated quiet areas? Should a library have dedicated loud or noisy areas? And finally, what is your personal least favorite source of noise that you encounter in the library as a library professional? We also asked if people were willing to share any story that comes to mind when they think about quiet in the library. And we got several amazing responses and we're gonna share as many as we can with you tonight. I also had people try to shush me while I was confronting them about inappropriate behavior in the library. So you walk up to somebody and you say, uh, excuse me, uh, I need, I hate to interrupt you, but I do need to let you know that you can't eat in the library. And be like, well, you're being too loud or shh. <laughs> as if that's going to get them out of trouble for eating or uh, you know doing something else that is against our standards of public conduct policy they thought that that could uh, that could get them out of trouble is by pointing out the that I'm, I'm being too loud as I enforce the policy and inform them of, of, of not only was it not uncommon if I had to ask somebody to either turn their audio off or you know, try to keep it a little quieter because the, the, the staff or patrons had complained about their noise and I had verified that it was somewhat disruptive, they can and cannot do. Yeah, I, I remember the day when Bluetooth was just becoming a real big thing and we had a guy come in and having a rather loud conversation on his Bluetooth and I'm like, you know, uh, would you mind stepping outside or, you know, keeping it down? He's like, Oh, can you hear them? It's like, no, we can hear you. You're talking out loud into your <laughs> microphone. Everyone can hear you. <laughs> I think not not shocking. Uh, knowing knowing librarians, uh, the answer to the question, have you as a librarian ever had a patron complain or shush you about your noise while working in the library was overwhelmingly yes. Um, 80, almost 70% of... of people responding to the survey said yes they have been shushed or they have had their noise you know draw a complaint while they were working in the library um, and librarians are not by a rule loud and boisterous people but i do think that patrons uh enforcing their own version of quiet will lead to this more, more times than not unless we're drinking together but that's yeah. not at the library. But outside the library, if or, we're drinking uh, together, we can be a loud and rowdy crew. <laughs> or, or if you ask Hazel uh, about Abos uh, community members, uh, because I, I say it's because they always have to talk over the diesel engines of bookmobiles. <laughs> now, before we get into our responses, how would you, Mr. Wooster, define quiet in a library setting? We'll end this question with this final answer before we move on, because I think it's a good one. There is an unfortunate stereotype that libraries must be quiet to the point where they are unusable for most people other than wizened and erudite elders. The people defining quiet always place themselves in this group and then target marginalized patrons with their enforcement. Most patrons usually see anything louder than what they are doing as a disruption to quiet. Now that we've discussed those, those definitions of quiet as perceived by the people taking the survey, the next question we asked was, should any libraries be quiet by this definition? The answers that we gave as possibilities, as well as the option for surveyors to include their own answer were, yes, libraries should be quiet by this definition, or it depends on the community, or it depends on the services offered, or it depends on the building, 
or no, libraries should not be quiet by this definition. And I would say unsurprisingly to us anyway, a solid half of the participants said, no, libraries should not be quiet by this definition. Uh, I think those of us who work in the library field, this shouldn't come as any surprise, but maybe to those of you listening who don't work in the field, this might be a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, not a single answer uh, gave an affirmative, unequivocal yes to this question. For the most part, um, they took the no, libraries should not be quiet option. Uh, a few people took, depends on the community, a few people took, depends on the building, but 25% of answers say it depends on the services offered. And I think that's because the services offered are a better representation of the mix between the needs of the community and the ability of the library to meet those needs. And I think that also goes right in hand with services in, you know, teen library, and like you said, or children's library. That's, I think, one reason they would say, you know, defined by the services. Yeah. And I think it, this is also another complex question where there isn't necessarily one answer. I personally, if I if it was up to me, I think it would be all three of the depending questions. So it depends on the community. If you do have a, lot, a community where everyone in the community wants the library to be quiet, I think that you have a mandate to make your library more or less quiet. You can make exceptions if you see the need, but you should more or less follow the just the needs of your community. But I also think that you know it, it's going to be a blend based on the needs of your community, the services that you can offer and do offer, and then the the needs of the building, which we'll talk about later. So if you have a building where you know you you have a certain amount of people who want absolute quiet and you can afford to have a dedicated quiet area, I think it's a wonderful way to accommodate that and then to keep patrons from you know, animosity against each other to see the library as a place that is welcoming and accommodating to them as well as other people. So moving on to the next question, uh, do you think that quiet libraries by this definition are welcoming to all patrons? Answers to this were largely no. 87.5% of people taking the survey said no, libraries that are quiet by their definition uh, are not welcoming to patrons. A few people said yes, but those were the people who had a blended approach to quiet in the library being quiet based on the needs of the patron, based on the amount of disruption that the noise actually brought, and based on, you know, the expectations of the patrons for the library to be quiet. So I think we're getting a picture here that quiet is sort of an outdated stereotypical term. It needs to be heavily nuanced, and it needs to be discussed and explored by librarians. I think that you know, even if you get all the way through library school, you're going to go into a library and you're going to remember either what you've been told as a child that you need to do in a library by your parents or by a guardian, or you're going to, you know, think about maybe getting in trouble at a time when you felt unwelcome in a library unless you conformed to the wishes of the librarians or the other patrons at the time, when really what we're trying to do is serve our community to save the time of the reader and books are for use not silent use use yeah and so much and rightfully so so much of what modern librarianship is about is focusing on accessibility for everybody and i think by limiting you know to just a quiet only space you are not paying attention to that question of accessibility i mean there are 
certain cultures that are much more, you know, vibrant and, you know, more, um, I would say loud <laughs> in the way they express themselves. And that's great. I think we should be welcome to every culture that wants to come in. We can't look at it entirely from, you know, this older Western approach if we want uh, libraries to stay modern and uh, accepting to all. Yeah, and I've run into this problem with, you know, aging patrons as well, when you're trying to help them and you do need to speak at full volume or louder than full volume to communicate effectively with them. Uh, you have people, you know, who have children that there's no accommodation that you can give them that will separate from them. You know, you can't separate a parent from their child at times and a parent needs to get something done and you're going to end up with children in the adult area. And this is, this is a public library and we're serving the public in the community. And I, I firmly believe that, you know, there is no such thing as a library emergency, but emergencies that happen in libraries. And, but sometimes these things that people need really do make a difference for them. And we can't tell them that they can't have their child with them in the library if their child can't conform to a really harsh, strict silence. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think we just need to make sure that libraries are accessible so that we can talk to, you know, patrons who um, maybe have hearing needs. Uh, you know, for, for most people, myself, I, I require a at normal conversational level of speaking uh, or slightly above in order to to hear. I have some some hearing loss in, in both ears. So it's difficult for me sometimes when I'm working with patrons who refuse to speak above a whisper because of their idea of what the library needs to be, uh, which we'll get to why I've been shushed several times later on in the episode. But we need to make sure that we're speaking in a way that our patrons can hear us uh, and that we're communicating and that we're placing that communication and the access of our patrons over some abstract or subjective ideal of quiet. Yeah, and a little behind the scenes here, Jeeves and I were just talking before we recorded uh, about my 92-year-old grandmother who uh, staunchly refuses to use hearing aids. She has them, but she doesn't want to use them. But she's also a former library worker and teacher and uh a library user and there's no way she would hear anything being said to her in a library if we kept up this level of quiet one of our one of our wonderful uh graduate school professors who we're hoping to have on the show in a later episode did an entire day in, in a management class about universal design and access in libraries and i firmly believe that if we're talking and thinking about universal design for libraries and making them a place that is accessible to all people and welcoming to all people that we're considering that that quiet is not necessarily welcoming to all people it's something that not everybody myself included can manage on a daily basis um, i think that it's it's doable in in small spurts and small sprints which is why a quiet reading room is a great idea but if we're going to be helping people access sensitive information if we're going to be saving the time of our readers we're, we're going to be making some noise and i think that's a beautiful thing for our next question i think we got the most surprising uh spattering of results for the question we answered i i can honestly say i don't know about you jeeves but i can honestly say i wasn't expecting uh the broad spread that we got for this question 
Yeah, I was shocked by the responses to this question. I did not think that it would be this uh, this this divided. Um, I think it it really speaks to how each library is set up um, to make decisions for policy and procedure. And I think that it, it speaks to every librarian's philosophical approach to making executive decisions on behalf of your institution. So the question, <laughs> the question in question is: If libraries are going to be quiet, who should define quiet for your patrons? And we provided several options. When I when I wrote the survey, I provided a few answers. I put desk staff should decide what defines quiet, management, and meaning the department heads as well as the executive director should decide. Uh, patrons should decide what quiet is for for your, for the library. The board of trustees should decide. And then I left it open for a few people to answer themselves. And uh, one person put no one. Simply put, libraries should be diverse spaces where a variety of quiet and loud activities can take place. Learning doesn't occur in a microcosm. It comes through interaction either with others or with potentially loud conversation and collaboration or with materi other materials through silence and study. Uh, another person put the community and stakeholders. So all of the above should have input. Uh, another person put, I think it should be enforced by desk staff with training. Uh, that being trauma-informed training and protocol developed in concert with patrons and other community stakeholders. Uh, one more person even put, the physical space should be flexible and have the ability to define zones to serve all patrons. And finally, someone put, why not both? Survey your patrons to see what they want to create policies that fit the needs of the community to make informed decisions. I was shocked by the responses, the majority of, of sponsor, responses did put it somewhat in the hands of patrons. 25% okay. of responders said patrons should define quiet. 18% uh, of responders said management uh, was split 12.5% between the board of trustees and desk staff. And then a bunch of individual uh, responses with a mix of, of legation of quiet for libraries. I think judging by this question, perhaps the, the best answer is you know, a combination of all of them. Why don't you have, you know, a meeting with board of trustees and with the public and get input from all. We have to be flexible. We can't as management or desk staff. If we are laying down the law all the time, I think it gives the wrong opinion. So we do have to definitely get information from the patrons and what uh, what our community needs from us. Absolutely. And libraries should reflect the needs of the community. I think this is a great response to say that a little bit of everything, a little bit of the stakeholders, a little bit of the, the staff who are going to be doing the work. Is it reasonable? Is it, is it enforceable? Uh, a little bit of the patrons themselves. I think one thing that's really important to remember when making any choices about library standards, public uh, behavior issues, is understanding the privilege that it takes to make a complaint, the privilege that it, it is required to enforce or to um, express yourself to say, I want a library to be quiet or I want to be a library to be loud. Understanding that, you know, especially if it's sort of the status quo answer that libraries should remain quiet, uh, are these people the voices that you're hearing? Because all the other voices that would as contribute to the conversation have they already been silenced 
So on to the next two questions, and that is, uh, should a library have dedicated quiet areas and should a library have dedicated loud or noisy areas? Uh, we had a few negative responses to this, but for the most part, 87.5% um, of, of surveyors said that libraries should have dedicated quiet areas and 81.3% of survey responders said that libraries should have dedicated loud or noisy areas, which I thought was interesting considering the fact that quiet areas are more common, whereas loud or noisy areas are more of a recent expansion of library services where you have a place where either children can play, teenagers can play. I've seen dedicated cell phone use areas or maybe private study rooms where there's, you know, noise dampeners or at least a closing door that can keep the noise down in there a little bit. Uh, what did you think of these responses, Mr. Wooster? Yeah, I thought I thought the uh, the quiet area, that was pretty much what I expected. The loud, I was also surprised that as many said there should be a loud or noisy area. I guess that was never really something that I had thought of having a dedicated area for the libraries I worked a whole section of a floor that was a designated quiet area for people who really wanted to research but you know especially nowadays more than ever before for academic library you have to find ways to bring students in I mean you have to have events you have to have you know like DIY projects and certain things to attract students in because you're going to get your students who are going to come and study those ones you can rely on but there's a rather large population of a college campus more than i think people would expect that would never use their library i mean i had multiple and i worked at a four-year institution for a long time multiple people come in like their senior year and activate their library card for the first time because they had a paper to write i mean how did you go through i Again, I'm a little bit older. I didn't have all the access to <laughs> the get it right at a click technology, but it still boggles my mind that, you know, you could make it through four years of college without having to do some research in a library. So there is an aspect of having to bring students in, and you're not going to do that necessarily with just a fully quiet, you know, study area. You have to make it fun, too. Yeah. I think there is a certain amount of people that are new library users or a new generation of library users that value that third location philosophy over the stereotypical norm of library spaces where they're looking for a place that's similar to Starbucks, but without the exorbitant prices or without the corporate, you know, interaction. So, you know, these are people who can work with an espresso machine. Uh, you know, hissing next to their head for three, four hours, they're not necessarily going to appreciate a pin drop quiet where you can hear your, you know, blood vessels expand and collapse. You can hear the whoosh of your eyelashes when you blink, which I think a lot of patrons would love at the same time. So I think the stratifying your library, if you can manage it, a lot of libraries can't do it. I like this idea of having dedicated quiet areas, having dedicated loud areas, but also the idea of having things fluctuate. Um, if you are doing your due diligence, you should know when final season is approaching or you should know when tax season is approaching and what that means for the needs of your community uh, in the spaces that you're running. And having, you know, I know libraries have enough signage already but if you can have signs that you can move around being like, hey, today's this is a quiet area 
or today this is a loud area and have some areas be consistent, some areas be in flux based on need. I think that that's the best answer. Also think, and this just kind of popped into my head as we're sitting here discussing that along with the accessibility issues or you're getting a lot of libraries where they are, you know, moving the shelves further apart so you can get wheelchairs through easily and making shelves shorter uh, so people don't have to reach so far, you know, so far up to grab books or, you know, get on a stool if they're not able to, physically unable to. You're going to, just because of these changes, get a lot more, like, open space in your library. And uh, just by its nature of to become more accessible, you're going to make it so that space is easier for sound to travel. And, and I think you're, it's just the way of evolution of the building itself. You're going to get some of this changing. Again, I think that it's really hard to speak for all libraries. You know, that, that the, the response to the question, who should decide that we had earlier, if libraries are going to be quiet, who should define quiet? I think the reason that we had so many various responses is because every library is different. And the best thing that we can do is have a varied approach that takes this question into consideration, um, that doesn't scoff at the, should libraries be quiet? Well, of course they should be quiet, but what does quiet mean? We should be considering this, we should be talking about this and what this means for our patrons, because I do really think that it's a big question for the future of librarianship and it's a big implication for our past. Like, have we always been doing the right thing? And we, you know, when it comes to accessibility, the answer is no, we have not always been doing the right thing. When it comes to quality and inclusion, no, we have not always been doing the right thing. So how does quiet play into that? How does the politics of quiet play into who we are, who we have been and who we are going to be? Our next question we wanted to get a more personal level response from librarians. So we asked them, what is your personal least favorite source of noise that you encounter in the library? And we got a decent uh, number of responses here. <laughs> I think if By you break, we oh, can break sorry. this down. I, I, I gave a couple, I gave a couple options. I gave speakerphone calls or FaceTime as one option. Open audio music is another. Uh, crying infants, squeaky cartwheels, loud conversations. And I, I gave a couple options, but overwhelmingly, I'd say it looks like all but one person chose an option that had to do with cell phones. Uh, mm -hmm. We had one person who chose loud conversations, but all other uh, surveyors chose either open audio, speakerphone calls, anything with phones. Uh, headphones exist. Oh, one person did put construction is the worst, which yeah, I agree. I didn't consider that, but construction is loud and stressful. Um, but I do think that the issue with phones, and I don't know how you feel about this, Mr. Wooster, but I think it's that we're conditioned to listen in. Like we're con like we grow up with the ability for the most part um, to tune out voices. If, especially in a public place, you, you can tune out conversations, you can focus, but when there's an electronic noise, we, it immediately gets our attention. That open audio, that beeping sound, the music playing, it's, it's different from, you know, the, the tone of a human voice. Um, so I think even a louder conversation can be less disruptive than a, a, a lower you know, speaker phone call or a teenager playing music on their phones. 
And there's also those people who do the, I'm going to say, loud whisper. Okay, I can't talk now. I'm in the <laughs> library. <laughs> like, you're yeah. still talking loud <laughs> just because you're pretending to whisper. Doesn't mean that you actually are. <laughs> I need somebody to break down for me, too, how the shh noise came about. Because, like, for a noise that's meant to quiet things down, it is so loud. It travels so far. And I remember back when I was doing backstage work, I, I did. I was a backstage crew for a couple musicals back in the day. That's the first thing I would tell any new crew members was like, just whatever you do, no shushing. Because shushing, you could hear that all the way in the back of the audience. You better, you might as well just say, hey, be quiet versus shh. It's just going to travel everywhere. I think this would be a great question for a guest we may be having in the near future, which would be a really cool thing to discuss with her. <laughs> I, I think I know who you're talking about. And yes, we will ask her about shushing. <laughs> that might be the new trend. I mean, I know amongst the library community, the old card catalogs are a big selling point and librarians will, you know, stalk antique places to try to find those. And I wouldn't mind yeah, having every, one of those. I think they're cool. Everybody's going to want to come for my library card now. <laughs> Here's a question a little bit off topic, but have you ever worked at a library where they named the carts? Yes, I've named carts. I have I, named I, carts. I very uh, much... No. Descartes is one of my favorite that I have <laughs> named. <laughs> uh, yeah, Speedy. Um, I named a cart. So there's a our, our wonderful administrative assistant who works in the, the admin department. Um, always wears purple. And... Um, we got a cart in that just happened to show up and it was the, the very shade of purple that she loves. And so everybody was associating it with her and they ended up just, I, they, I ended up just saying, well, we need to just name it after her. So I went and got the label maker and I put her name on it. And then I put a bunch of ribbons on it from youth services. And then we had a ribbon cutting. She christened the, she christened the cart named after the purple cart named after her. So and yes, to the non-librarian listeners, all librarians are nerds like this about things like cards and card catalogs. It's It just comes with the job. You just kind of get used to it. Yeah, that's another thing that you can send us in, 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 the sh in the comments or in the reviews or on social media. Let us know what you've named your library cards. All right. So on to, uh, on to the story time port. So finally, we asked the people that we surveyed, if you're willing, please share any story that comes to mind when you think about quiet in the li library. Uh, our first response was, thankfully, I don't have a story that comes to mind immediately. Occasionally, typical noise complaints in areas that aren't meant to be quiet areas. Nothing so egregious, it warrants retelling. Uh, another person responded, an adult patron once set up his laptop at a table in the children's section and was in a Zoom meeting with no headphones on. Everyone could hear both sides of the meeting. He complained that kids were playing and laughing near him because the noise is distracting and doesn't come across as professional in meetings. They finished with, sir, you are in a children's area, which absolutely should be the response. I, I do love that, just the audacity that he had to say that the children that were in the periphery of his meeting weren't increasing his <laughs> professionalism. And that it was their fault. Yes. <laughs> you meddling kids. 
and not my fault for having a Zoom meeting in the children's Zoom. area of the library without headphones. And, and why the children's? I mean, you know, I don't know that there's a single library I've walked in that I would immediately think, oh, yeah, this is the area. I mean, he was probably like, I picture someone about three times too big for the chair bent over the computer too when I read this. It's like, it just, yeah. So many questions. Another one. Some libraries also might not have the space to set up noise zones, and that's difficult. Uh, do the best you can, be kind, have empathy. Look into your library's policies and services. Plan your library time. Libraries accommodate diverse populations and it can be hard to balance all those needs. If you're looking for a specific kind of space, I recommend ask to see what's possible. Are there study rooms or conference rooms? Are there quieter times? Explore the space. Maybe there's a great spot that you haven't found. Ask where quiet spaces can be found. Don't expect library workers to tell kids and teens to stop laughing. I did like this response, even though it wasn't a general story, I thought it was a great summation to their survey because it really is about being creative and understanding the needs of your community and definitely not doing things that are unreasonable for your patrons, whether it's, you know, uh, enforcing things that are inappropriate to the area, whether it's quiet or loud, or telling kids or teens to stop laughing. That's a really difficult one. Uh, definitely not letting adult patrons police adult, you know, younger teen patrons, definitely making sure that you don't let them throw your, their weight around because they're the grownups in the situation, because we are for everyone. And that includes teens. Teens have rights. Teens have privacy rights. And I definitely think that although they might need more reminders. They definitely don't need us to kill their joy and spirit, especially if they're enjoying themselves in your library. And given the absolutely, you know, humongous rise in YA novels <laughs> over the last couple of years, that's going to be a big target audience for your library these days. So you should fully expect the teens and welcome them in. Uh, this one I really enjoyed because... It's just one of those things I can absolutely see happening. The person wrote, One patron told us the rain on the roof was too loud for her to concentrate. Was there anything we could do about it? Um, not at this moment. Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> it's just one of those stories that uh, I can't help but laugh at because, yeah, I've been there. I've had <laughs> requests like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have as well. Uh, oh, the person near me is typing too loud. So the person in the quiet reading room makes noise whenever he turns a page on his newspaper. What can you do about it? Uh, can you please turn the heat down in the building? Yeah, I would love to be able to do that. Don't you see me sweating behind the desk? <laughs> <laughs> this next person said some children were told they could not talk at all in the library, so they tried to communicate in their own sign language. They ended up getting in trouble for laughing. I really do think that going back to the last one that I read, we're children having a good time talking in the library doing things that are normal for them elsewhere but you know also normal and acceptable in the library in most cases is a good thing if we want to have lifelong learners we can't traumatize them or make them feel unwelcome or bad or wrong in the library as a child or a teenager we need to give them positive expectations for what the library can do for them and what they can do in the library and we need to question whether or not the expectations that we're putting on them are reasonable. And I think these kids wanted to have a good time in the library and they did their best and they still got in trouble for laughing at their own attempts at, you know, communicating silently with each other. So and I have to say, for them. 
I have to say, I think, you know, them creating their own sign language is the kind of, you know, poetic creativity we need kids to be doing in the library. I think that's an amazing, thoughtful, uh, they're, they're thinking outside the box. They're doing their thing and coming up with it on the fly. And I think that's a fantastic thing to have happen in the library. One of our respondents wrote, I have had to deal with several patrons who use very thinly veiled noise complaints as a way to attack and abuse patrons who are people of color, underage, or otherwise marginalized in library settings. Groups of young black children will draw immediate complaints about noise from regulars, while the same patrons will talk about the noises of white children as a positive sign that they are using and enjoying the library. To me, library quiet is a colonizer tool to prevent community members from the access to public services that they need and deserve. And yeah, that's a fantastic point. Yeah, I think it's powerful too. I think that that's where we need to recognize where the concept of quiet or any other appropriate behavior in libraries being subjective. And we got to question why we care so much about this norm in our library or why our patrons care so much. And if it's an acceptable thing, does it serve the patron who's complaining? Does it serve the patron that they're complaining about? Is the end result that the library is a better, more welcoming place for all people? And I think, especially in the cases that this surveyor pointed out, the answer is unequivocally no. Uh, library quiet is not serving their library, the patrons who are complaining or the patrons that they're complaining about. It is just upholding uh, a very divided and, and uninclusive library atmosphere. And I think this kind of, to some extent, goes back to the librarians being shushed themselves. It's, it's all about, you know, a power grab. You know, in this moment, I have the power to say, oh, no, you're not doing what you should be doing. I you know, I'm the one upholding the right here and, you know, but they're not, they're in the wrong, <laughs> definitely. Uh, and I think it was a response to one of the earlier questions. A lot of people think that quiet is anything, is that any noise above what they're doing is bad. So it's, it really is based on, you know, the person themselves. We need to make sure that we're encouraging a culture and an atmosphere that is universally accessible and trauma-informed and empathetic. Uh, next, somebody said, I recently had a tutor seeking a quiet place for their student to work in. She explained, I didn't ask, that the student has a health issue that made it very difficult for him to focus or study in a loud area, and it is getting harder to find such a place. Say so definitely in the last year with a lot of closures of, you know, if not libraries as a whole, but specifically smaller, more confined areas within the library. My library study rooms are still not open uh, at this state. And it's understandable why we don't want people in unventilated areas, you know, potentially for long periods of time where the, you know, the spread of the COVID-19 virus would, you know, accelerate. Uh, but it really has been difficult because while the wide you know, broad building of the library is open and we can accommodate more noise and more activity. It is getting a little harder to accommodate that, 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 that patron. So I definitely think that we need to be asking questions about if we do have this contingency where we do actually have somebody who needs absolute abject quiet, what can we do for them? Where can we recommend they go, if not in the library, but elsewhere that they can get the same amenities? Can we uh, help them get some of the amenities that we're offering them at home? Can we recommend them a place, you know, 
in the library that's going to be quieter than the main building. But uh, it's difficult when you're limited. From a, a personal basis, I have a nephew who has pretty severe ADHD and is also borderline uh, autistic. And this year, the you know year of uh, studying from home, doing schooling on home, has probably been his best year ever for school because he's not distracted by all the other kids. You know, he's not losing as much focus. So there are definitely those people who, you know, a quiet space is the right move for them. And I think it's a great point to say, yeah, you know, we should allow that as an option. It may, it's probably not what we want to do for the entirety of the library, but yeah, it definitely should be something that we provide. And our final response for uh, this question, it kind of goes back to a point I was making about being shushed. Uh, the time a student complained that the reference desk was too loud, but refused to move away from said desk because it was next to their favorite table. All the tables were the same. They preferred us to move the reference desk. <laughs> and Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, just like in classes, you get people who automatically go to the same chair every time in class and that's their chair. You get people who... You know, I don't know if it's like, you know, you know, a baseball player who won't change his socks because they're the lucky socks for the game. They just have that compulsion that this is their spot that is best for them to study. And they're fixated on that one spot. And yeah, to inconvenience them by answering questions for others. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think part of it is like, well, if I moved, then I, I didn't get to control your behavior. <laughs> If I moved, because the real crux of this isn't that I want silence, it's that I want you to be silent in this moment by me. So Mr. Wooster, after all of these wonderful answers, and, and thank you to the listening public, librarians and all, uh, who answered this survey for us. Uh, but after all of these wonderful answers, do you have a, a new perspective on, on quiet that you think uh, we should adopt? I wouldn't say that I have a new perspective so much as I feel affirmed in my beliefs on how, you know, hearing from other life, I, I definitely believe, as you've said, and as some of our uh, survey responses have said, flexibility and just being open to uh, adapting to what we need is the most important. And I, I am very uplifted that we got so many responses that seconded. And I, I will make a confession here that I was the, the one who wanted the age question because I wanted to see if we were going to get, you know, some of those those older librarians who have been in the system for a long time who are, you know, stuck in their ways and see if they offered. But no one really did. Not I was definitely very happy to see that, that we didn't have people who are very staunch in there. No, we have to keep the old ways. This is the way it's always done. So this is how we must do it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely thought that I was more outspoken on this issue, and I'm encouraged that it, it's a broader, more nuanced conversation. I thought that it was going to be, we were going to be dragging a bunch of people kicking and shushing out of the, the concept that libraries should automatically be, by default, be quiet spaces, and that, you know, um, you know, you could have loud programs or loud areas, but libraries themselves are should be quiet both in in you know the cultural depiction and in practice but i think that what we understand is that we have a job to do we need to provide information and books and resources materials that are practical and usable and that we need to save the time of our readers 
and that we need to create welcoming, inclusive, and diverse spaces. And so, you know, none of those things can be done at one register. So I like the future of libraries if we continue to have this conversation and continue to question uh, the idea of defaults, both in the minds of the professionals and in the minds of our patrons and come to a, a informed praxis. It's going to be a good world. So a big thank you to all of those listeners who have responded to our survey, seeing what comes from the questions we ask. And we'd love to have you all, you know, helping us out there. Here, here. <laughs> so we'll leave you today with this quote from British author and historian Ben McIntyre that lends some historical perspective to the topic. We hope in future ones that we hear from more of you and we can get, you know, a pretty wide range of opinions to discuss. Uh, the more the merrier. I, I love having, you know, multiple perspectives to look through. And I know Jeeves in that same boat with me that we love. Libraries are not just for reading in, but for social thinking, exploring, and exchanging ideas and falling in love. They were never silent. Technology will not change that, for even in the starchiest heyday of Victorian self-improvement, libraries were intended to be meeting places of the mind, recreational as well as educational. Thanks, and we hope to see you next time. Meeting adjourned. theme song was adapted and performed by Catherine Rose. You can listen to more of Catherine's music the last Friday of every month at 7 p.m. Pacific time at facebook.com forward slash Catherine Rose Folk or Mondays on her radio show, The Celtic Music Hour on KOCF 92.7. And if you have a library story you'd like to share, you can email us at librariansanonpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook